Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight for Calvary. We praise you this night. We choose to praise you. We choose to worship you. We choose to glorify your name. At any point in time, Jesus, you could have come off the cross. At any point in time, you could have stopped and said, no, I'm not going to do this. But you came with one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost, to be the sacrificial lamb for us. On this day that we've set aside to celebrate, we praise you and we thank you. And because you live, because you live, we can face tomorrow. Father, I lift this country, I lift the world up right now, but I especially lift America up to you. In this time of the virus, in the confusion and all that's going on, God, I pray that your hand be upon us. Lord, that you keep us safe. As we go about doing that which you've asked us to do. Lord, we lift our families before you. We lift the unsaved before you. Those that we know. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to them. And as we go about planting the seed, that you water the seed and they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the very ministries of this church, Lord, for the EACM, for the network. We ask you to bless our fellow pastors and ministers around the globe in whatever ministries they're doing. Lord, let this time be a time of refreshing in their spirit. For I know that when this is over, we're going to be busy. Father, I lift Bishop and Dr. Cheryl to you tonight and ask you to touch them. Once again, we bring Apostle and Sister C and Dr. Garner before you. We thank you for the many years that they've traveled, the many years that they have ministered. And we ask you in these latter days to strengthen them, refresh their mind, refresh their spirit as they go forth preaching your word. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to do double, triple, quadruple duty tonight. As you prepare your offerings, we're going to pass the basket one time. I'm doing a check, make it out to Evangel or ECC. If you're paying by cash, grab an envelope from in front of you. Fill it out to get proper tax credit. We're going to say our positive confession as we hold it up tonight. Say this with me. As I give in today's offering... I affirm that all the tithe belong to the Lord and is holy. I have willingly set aside the sacred part of my income according to His word, and by faith and obedience I now bring my tithes, offerings, and seed into the storehouse, my local church. Father, we ask you to bless tonight the gift and the giver. And in this time that seems lean in our lives and some are out of work right now, we ask the Jehovah Jireh to provide not only for our households, but for this, your household. In Jesus' name, amen. As I'm passing the basket, I'm also going to give you communion to, we're going to receive later. I'll pass that also. You know me. 
from the holy place. I hear you say, oh, how you tell me. And oh, how you tell me that I am your own. Let's say it real loud together. You know my name. You know my name. sing the song. Let it be a reminder how he talks to us and how he walks with us. How he tells us we're his friend. Bring it up just a little bit.
you to extend your hands toward the cross sign. I just got a text from one of the members in our network, Rabbi Libertus. They come here during the graduation and conference. They're a Messianic Jewish couple. He is from uh, the island of Sri Lanka, just off of India. And he just asked me to pray for the country of Sri Lanka. They are on 24-7 lockdown. They're not allowed out of their houses whatsoever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you know our name. We thank you that you are still in control. You are still on the throne. And nothing the enemy puts towards us can stop the plans you have. We pray for the island of Sri Lanka, the country of Sri Lanka right now. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, during this time to raise up pastors, to raise up evangelists, to raise up missionaries, to raise up teachers and prophets, Lord, for the preparation of sending your gospel, of presenting your gospel to a country that doesn't know you. Lord, to a country that is Buddhist. Father, I pray that you prepare the people to receive the revival you have coming. I lift Rabbi and Sister Libertus to you right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ask you to bless them. Thank you for the ministries they're doing. Keep your hand upon them, upon those in the network, upon pastors around the globe, upon your children. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been texting back and forth with a friend of mine today who doesn't know the Lord. Somebody I've known for several years. Very fearful, very scared of this whole situation. And I told him this would be a great opportunity for him to come to know Jesus. And his response to me was, well, if there's a God, then why do we have this? So it's been an interesting conversation back and forth in text today. Talking about the confusion that's going on, I've entitled the message tonight, 
It is finished. I must go. It is finished. I must go. And if you look at the context in which these two things were said, it looks like a negative, but we're going to turn it into a positive. I want to set the stage. Matthew 21 and, and, and the great celebration of the Passover feast was there and many of the Jews, Jewish people were into Jerusalem at that time to celebrate the feast. And the crowds lining the road went for miles and very loud screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, excited to have a Savior. Looking for a physical king, looking for a physical leader, someone to guide them, to direct them, because they've been under the oppression of the Romans. And if you really study and look at it, you had the Sanhedrin and the Pharisee. You had the Sanhedrin, the religious leader, the political leaders, trying to please the Romans. You had the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, trying to please the Sadducees, who were trying to please the Romans, and nobody was pleasing the people. And the people were looking for somebody to lead them, to guide them, to direct them, and they expected this to be Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They expected he was going to come and be the king on earth. But that's not what he was there for. And in a short week, this is what happened. They had the, fe the fe festivities, the fellowship and the feasting. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this, the plot comes to kill Jesus. Jealousy is set in amongst leadership. Envy is set in amongst leadership. And then Judas, and I mentioned this morning, Judas, the treasurer, Judas was very smart financially, could have received any amount of money he wanted for this next thing he was about to do. But he chose 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave. Now, can you imagine walking with Jesus for three years, watching the miracles that he had performed, Knowing what he had done, and turning your back on him like that, for 30 pieces of silver. He made the agreement that I, I will betray him, I will take you to him, it's the one I kiss on the cheek. It's very common, you know in America we have like the three foot rule as a norm. We call it up my space, three-foot rule. We don't stand much closer than three feet when we talk to somebody. Now we have the six-foot rule, according to the government. But in America, we're very distant. We're in other countries. I went on a missions trip to Argentina. We had a missionary training us. And he said, they will kiss you on the right cheek and the left cheek. And one of our men was just freaking out. He said, I'm not having some man kiss me on the cheek. But that's how they greet there. That's how they greet a lot in the European countries. We're very standoffish. Even when we shake hands, we extend our arms about as far as we can to shake somebody's hand. We like the space and the distance between us. But Judas was going to come up and said, I'll be, I will, the one that I kiss is the one you're going to take. Then they sit down to supper. It's been a long day. They sit down, they have supper. 
And we're going to have communion here shortly, but at the end of supper, Jesus introduces what we call the Lord's Supper or the communion. And he looks over to, at Judas and says, go and do what you have to do. Now I grew up with two brothers. And my dad will let us roughhouse to a certain point. Then he stopped it. Well, you know, boys will be boys. And we kind of went around the corner, thought we we're going to pick this up somewhere else in the other part of the house. And what's amazing is my dad would be around the corner. We'd ask him, how did you know we were going to do this? And his response was, I was your age once. He knew what we were going to do before we knew what we were going to do. And as Jesus begins to talk about going to death, going to the cross, and Peter says, I won't deny you. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be by your side. Now, I never served in the military. Anybody here served in the military? I never served in the military. But I know in the Romans' time, if you, if you look and study the Roman soldiers, and, the, and when uh, Paul talks about in the Ephesians 6, the armor of God, he says, stand firm. They had spikes on the bottom of their shoes that were quite long. They would stomp in the ground and they would lock the shields together. But that was to help form a line. Now, here's what would happen. All of a sudden, we're in a battle, and I become a coward. I want to turn and run. First of all, there's no armor on my back. So the one who turned and ran as a coward was to be stabbed in the back and then trampled on with those spikes till they could never be recognized again. Peter had that, uh, that, that mentality. I'll stay with you, I'll fight with you, I'll be with you to the very end. Jesus has already given Judas permission. He knew what he was going to do. He said, go, do what you must. And then he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Peter, no, 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 I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I was made fun of a lot in high school. I wouldn't join the parties. I wouldn't join the smoke group outside and... And they say, well, what are you doing this weekend? I said, I'll be at church. Matter of fact, when I was in high school, the uh, last two and a half years of, of high school, I was at church Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday nights. We were there for service, choir practice, and youth service. I spent most of my growing up days in the church. Not to say that I'm perfect by any means. But even then, I had my moments, and still today, at almost 60 years old, I have my moments, and I have my flare-ups, and the, the flesh comes forth. And I say things or do things that I should not do that are not pleasing to the Lord. Even though I say, Lord, I'll serve you, I'll serve you, I'll serve you, I'll do what you want me to do. And I don't know if you are, I, I told God, I'll go where you want me to go. And every time a chance opens up for me to go on a missions trip, I was thinking of this recently because I was going through some old stuff and, and looking at some of the old missions pictures. I've been blessed to be in nine countries. We just postponed our 10th country. We're supposed to go in May to do some training. But I realized going through some pictures of missionaries I've known through the years, I had 29 invitations I never followed up on. Because I never trusted God to supply the need 
to give me the finances. Though I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. This is what I've called you to do, Scott. I'll do what you want, Lord. This is what I called you to do. I can't do that, Lord. I don't have the money. I don't have the faith. I don't have the trust. But Scott, I called you this. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. I can't do that, Lord. I'll do whatever you want. I can't do that. You ever had that battle? That Yeah. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. They go to the garden to pray, and he says, one simple thing, pray with me. He comes back, and they can. It's been a long day. They're tired. I'd gone downstairs to, to eat lunch. My wife was watching some craft show on television, and I didn't want to watch that. I wanted to watch something else. And so I went downstairs. I had lunch in the family room, and came upstairs. I want to say, honey, that was a good lunch. She made it yesterday. I warmed it up today. And I want to say it's a good lunch. Her head's down, and she's snoring on the couch. Just those few moments, she just out. We get tired after a long day. I've come home from work sometimes. I live, I'm two miles from work. And I have come home from work, parked it by my garage, sit there listening to a song on the radio, and fallen asleep. I've actually parked out in the street in front of my house and shut the truck off, just put it back so I could hear the, the last of the song, and I've had the police knock on my window. I roll, I look and they say, Pastor, go inside and sleep. They, they know who I am, or most of our policemen do. And, uh, whew, I just had a quick five-minute nap. But he said, pray with me in the garden. And then it happened. Judas comes up with many soldiers. Kisses Jesus on the cheek. And the betrayal began. He goes through a nighttime of trials that were illegal trials. They're taking him away and somebody points to Peter and says, he's one with him. No, I'm not. Someone else said, he walks with him. He screams, no, I didn't. He points a third time. Somebody said, I know that he was with him. He's one of them. Oh, he got emphatic. and yelling and screaming, probably cursing at the person. No, I don't. Denying Christ with everything he has right before the crow. Made his good morning noise. I said all that leading up to the crucifixion here we had just a week ago. Just a few, five, six, seven days, six, five days ago. Jesus entering into the city. And now they're taking him away to the cross. They nail him to the cross. Dr. Shell presented it beautifully last week, the, the sayings of the cross. But I want to focus on one of the last two things he said. It is finished. Now, if you're the one following him, that's a negative in your mind because you're looking at the one that you're expecting to be your king. You're looking at the one you're expecting to train you, to teach you, to be with you always. Say, it is finished. Into my hands, I give you my spirit, hangs his head and he dies. Most of the disciples scattered at that time. They ran and they hid. They didn't know what to do. Jesus had nothing on the earth. He didn't have a, a grave. So one, somebody said, let's put his body in, in my grave. And if, if, what's interesting, if you saw the song where the sheet was laid over him, it kind of fell as, as, as Jesus rose. They covered him for a moment. And what they do, they come by and they put the spices. They, they temporarily put them into a 
a sepulcher into a tomb and they allow the body to decay. Then they take the bones and they place the bones into a smaller, like a two by two or so, two and a half foot by two and a half foot hole. There's many tombs, many graves. So they allow for that body to decay. They came by to put spices really to take away the stink of the body as it decays. But here they come on that day and the stones rolled away. I said this morning about the great argument that went on. The Jews are blaming the Romans. The Romans are blaming the Jews. Nobody's figured out yet it's the hand of God. It's the hand of God. And I love this, and, and I, this isn't up on the screen, but I want to read this. In the 24th chapter of Luke, it said, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and the certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed, which means they were confused, and behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Okay, let's stop right there. They went to basically a little cave. There's nobody there, and all of a sudden there appears two men in shining garments. Now I'm going to tell you, about that point, I would just about mess myself. That, that would startle me. Just in verse 5, then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to him, I love this. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? I mentioned today earlier that we go to the funeral home, what, to pay respects really there to, to pay respects to the family, but we look in the casket, and there's a body laid out in the casket, and it's preserved, and when the funeral's over, they close it, they take it, they put it in the vault, they put it in the ground, they put the dirt over it. You can go dig it up 100 years later, and the body's still in there. So why do you see, well, I'm sure they went to find what? The dead among the dead. They went to preserve the body of, the, of Jesus, but the question was asked, why do you seek the living among the dead. A little further down says Peter ran in and found the clothes folded. Very interesting Jewish tradition that at a mealtime, if you were finished with your meal, you took your napkin and you laid it over your plate. You cover the plate to say, I'm finished, and you get up. But if you had to get up for a moment, you want to go stretch your legs, you want to do something, they would fold the napkin and lay it down. And the folded napkin means I will be back. When Peter looked in the tomb, saw the grave clothes were folded, which says to him, I'm coming back. Already, God began to speak and said, I'm coming back. This is now where I want to go into the scripture for tonight. So they look and said, it's finished. The body's missing. Oh, but this gets good. Look with me in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. 
we have that scripture? There we go. Thank you. I thank you guys for what you're doing up there. I appreciate you. So now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus had already appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and I'm going to put my finger into the print of the nail, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas has been designated as doubting Thomas through the years. But after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And this is eight more days. And Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Never opened the door, just appeared in there. Thomas, he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I like that scripture. He didn't put pressure on Thomas. He didn't say, Thomas, I can't believe you didn't trust me. But Thomas said, I I want to see it. I want to feel it. And Jesus was not not there in that conversation. But he walked in and he knew what Thomas wanted. So he said, touch me. Go ahead, put the thing. Go ahead, touch that nail scar. Go ahead, touch the side where they pierced me. I'm going to tell on myself, years ago, within a few weeks of each other, my dad totaled his car on the way to work. You're just a few months from retiring. And a week later, my oldest brother's house burned to the ground. So I, having one of my stupid moments... They come into the house, gone to the restroom, took care of everything. Put the remote on the other side of the room, shut my phone off. And the only thing I had in front of me was a clock. And I sat down in my recliner and I said, God, I am not moving from this recliner until you tell me why this has happened. Now, I don't recommend this because I promise you God will outlast you. Well, five minutes had gone by, it was quiet, no noise, and it was the longest five minutes I ever sat there. I said, God, a little louder this time, like he couldn't hear me, why has this happened to my dad and to my brother? Long story short, after sitting there about almost three hours, my behind's going numb, I'm getting squirmy, I want to get up, I want to leave, because I had said I'm not moving. After about three hours and and several times asking, finally the Holy Spirit said, watch what I do. My dad was given a car to borrow until he finished, until he retired. He received money from the insurance company and, and he had worked for two companies after retiring from ministry. And 
The Buick dealer called him, his salesman called him and says, Hugh, I have a car for you. Early that morning I had been praying and I talked to my dad. I said, Dad, tell the Lord specifically what you're looking for. So he told him the very model of the car. He told him the very color of the car. He told him he wants low miles and this is the price that I could pay. He gave him four things. Buick dealer called him. Say, Hugh, I have a car for you. My mom and dad went over to the dealership. They pulled up. There's a car sitting there. Exactly what he was looking for. The, brand, the, the model, the color. And he looked at the price tags. Woo, I can't afford. That's way out of what he could afford. So a salesman came out. My dad said, this is nice. He said, but I know it's not mine. What do you have? He goes, this is yours. He said, oh, I can't afford that. He said, oh, no, that's, that's not your price. He went inside and he worked up some numbers. He got the exact car that he wanted, the exact color that he wanted, for the exact price that he wanted to pay. My brother received a house. Somebody was moving and said, we want you to have our house. No rent. It's yours. Gave them a fully furnished house. See, God supplies our needs. God showed me that he's still in charge and he is in control. Thomas said, I want to see, I want to touch him, not because he's doubting, but because he had a desire to see him and to be with him. Let's go to John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes. You know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Very interesting question. He said again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. Now remember, Peter denied him three times. Now here comes a third time. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Peter was hurt by this. You've already asked me twice. I've already answered twice. Have you ever been irritated when somebody asks you a question more than once and you've already answered and it's like they just don't get it? They just don't get it. I said, yes, what more do you want me? You want me to do a dance for you? What? Jesus, or Peter being the way he is, each time he became more emphatic, each time he denied him, he became more emphatic. Each time he answered the question, I could hear him getting mad. Peter grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he answered and said, Lord, you know. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, now feed my sheep. He took it from taking care of the young, from the baby, the lamb, to going through training. He said, really in this, he said, Peter, I've trained you for three years. You've walked with me. I've taken you a fisherman, an unlearned individual. I've trained you. I have prepared you. I'm going to give you authority over my sheep to take care of the flock, to watch the flock. And it was Peter, after receiving the Holy Spirit, spoke on the day of Pentecost and began the New Testament church. 
Matthew was a learned individual. He was a Levite. Matthew should have been a priest, but chose not to, chose to be a tax collector. He was trained. He was learned. Others had abilities and learning. But Peter was the emphatic one. Peter was the one who stepped up first. He was always first in line, first in the battle. I'll go out before everybody. I think he's the, he's the guy to go out in the midst of the gunfight with a knife. Each time he gave him more and more authority. And I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 1, verses four, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He'd been teaching. He'd been teaching about the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's stay there for a moment. Not many days from now. When somebody says to you in just a minute, what do you think? That's my favorite expression. My dad used to say, come here, I'll be be there in a minute. Now, I'm not going to be there in a minute. It's going to take me a while to get there. I'd say I'm coming. He'd say, yeah, so is Christmas, which means, son, you're moving slow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a minute. I'll be there. I tell them at work I have two speeds, slow and stop. Which one do you want? I'm a southern boy. I don't work this Yankee pace. <laughs> Therefore, when they come to the ask him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore Israel? And he said, no, it's not for you to know the times of the season, which the Father's put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. That word in the Greek is dunamis. You shall receive dunamis. Dunamis is where we derive the word dynamite. Now, one one sad trait about me, I used to have a very volatile temper. It still flares up every now and then. And the saying is, you know, dynamite comes in small packages. Well, nitroglycerin comes in smaller packages because it's more volatile. Now, I'm the smallest of my, of my brothers. And I am more volatile than my two brothers who stand 5 foot 10. I'm 5 foot 4 when I stand straight. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon, comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, and the ends of the earth. We can't do this on our own. We have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I was sharing earlier, one of the guys at work has been out. He had a little bit of a cough, and I know him. I worked with him for several years on the dairy wall. And he had this cough. He gets it every year. It's a spring allergy. I was a couple weekends ago. I didn't come to church because I had been moving stuff around in my house and and moving my books out of the office, out of my wife's office. She's preparing to work from home for the next couple of months. And she wants more space in the office. I took the big bookcases, which really is a two-person job. 
I emptied them, I had to move them, I had to slide them down the stairs because I can't carry them downstairs. And I had to rearrange part of my family room in my area, my, my dungeon, and, and, and rearrange it. And I've been comfortable for years the way it was. Yeah. And in the midst of doing that, bookshelves that haven't been touched in 30 years, 20 years, all the dust along with it, I'm cleaning and dusting and not thinking ahead. I didn't take an allergy pill. I didn't put a mask on, and, and, and I knew better. And sure enough, I had an allergy attack, and I start coughing. I don't recommend this. I took three Claritin-D 24-hour tablets in less, than 20, in less than 48 hours. Had to get it in my system. Had to kick the cough, because if I'd gone into work Monday night, they would have sent me home for 14 days. Change. See, change. So now when they had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. When they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in a white apparel. There's the two men again. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus said, I have to go. You look at what could be two negatives. It is finished. He hung his head and he died. Wow, what are we going to do? Now he's back with them for several days. He's back with them for almost 40 days and he's ministering and he's doing and now they watch him. What are we going to do now? We're going to wait upon the Holy Spirit's what we're going to do now. That was the instruction he gave. Wait, I will give you power. Change is coming. See, I, I, I kind of felt what they were feeling, the abandonment issue. Here's their Savior, their leader, gone again. That's how I felt the enemy began to speak to me. And I'm moving books, taking my books out of the office which was supposed to be our library room, taking my books out, taking them downstairs, and now we're separated yet again. And I had the enemy speak to me and the issue of abandonment hit, and wow, I felt I had to rebuke the thought. My wife wasn't telling me, get her stuff out because I don't want you around. She's making room so she can work from home. She needed to clear out that room and have space. The emotions that we go through the feeling that which the enemy put upon us. Three years Jesus prepared them for that moment. Three years he said, I've come for one purpose, to die. And yet they watched him die. He said he's going to resurrect. They did not believe him. It happened. And then he heaven said, I must go. He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He said to Thomas, you're blessed because you see me, but how much greater of a blessing with those who don't see me. He said this morning, none of us have ever seen God face to face. None of us have ever seen Jesus face to face. None of us have ever seen the Holy Spirit face to face. But we trust and we believe by faith something we've not seen. We walk in that faith and trusting and believing. Trusting and believing. 
I believe with all my heart something great is about to happen in the end of this season of this plague. I watched yet another part of our store closing down. They not only closed hours of sales, now they're closing down. No patio furniture, no furniture. They got signs up, this would look nice in your house, but we can't sell it at this time. They're trying to eliminate the crowds in the places. But they're not going to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity to preach tonight. I ask that we take this word and let it bless us. Father, let us look unto you through this time as we see a great need in this nation. Let us spend our time with you seeking your face and allowing you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I gave you the communion cups a little bit earlier, and I'm preparing, but I should have prepared this earlier. The 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord. I find that interesting. For I received from the Lord. Paul had one, when he was Saul of Tarsus, he had one intention. That was to kill every Christian. He never walked with Jesus. But Jesus changed him and made him something different, just as he has done us. He said, when I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, the night in which the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. To take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is now a new covenant in my blood. The Old Testament, the blood had to be spread, the blood had to be shed from the lambs, from the goats, from the different animals. That's a sacrifice, he said, but I've come to sacrifice as a new covenant. This is a covenant of grace and mercy in the period in which we walk now. To do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me, or as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I just titled the message, it is finished, I must go. He had to go in order to prepare for us a place in heaven. And he's coming back and he's looking for us. Father, we ask you to bless the communion. Lord, the, that which represents your body and that which represents the blood. We thank you for it as we partake. We ask you to touch us, each and every one. Touch our homes. Bless us, guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake of your communion.
Father, we praise you. We thank you. As we've come tonight, we ask you to guide our every step this week. Let us look to the heavens. Let us look unto you for all that we need. I ask you to bless those here tonight. Those who are watching the other part of the service by live stream. God, I pray that as we share your word, oh, that lives will be changed and souls will be saved. Tonight we give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. Bless you. Thank you for coming out tonight.